1: It's Ethan Skolnick. Before we get to today's episode, I want to tell you about our two great sponsors. You're familiar with both of them by now, but I'm going to tell you again about the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. The Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm, you can reach them at onecalllegal.com. That's onecalllegal.com or call 1-855-5000-LAW. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls. And traffic tickets. Mention five reasons. And your traffic ticket will be taken care of from a price of $49.95 or up. They just got mine thrown out. Got another of my friend's tickets thrown out. So they do great work there. So check them out. They've got a new 15,000-square-foot office that's on I-95 in North Miami. We actually work out of that office so we can vouch for the work that they're doing. They handle cases from all over the state. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. That's onecallegal.com com or 1855 5000 law the other sponsor Dural Toyota Dural Toyota you can find them of course In Doral, just three blocks east of Dolphin Mall, they've got more than 1,200 cars in inventory, in-house financing available for credit-related issues. If you mention five reasons or five on the floor, you work with a dedicated concierge manager, not a salesperson. And here's the big thing. Pricing is at an all-time low, but they will also beat any other Toyota dealer price. So bring them another price, and they will beat it. Check out DoralToyota.com. That's 9775 Northwest 12th Street. End around.
2: Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Albon Sydney, aka Al 954 brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network.
1: Alright, Ethan Skolnick here for the Five on the Floor podcast, Five Reasons Sports Network. I'm here with Bam Adebayo, who just got named to participate in USA Camp, and I just want to start here because just following you and kind of everything you're doing this offseason, everything you're working on seems to me like you're embracing kind of the role of wanting to be one of the faces of this franchise how do you go about doing that just becoming becoming more of a leader Mm -hmm. so kind of
3: not not being like one of those leaders when like telling dudes what to do but whenever I say something like people listen Mm -hmm. so I feel like UD is a prime example whenever UD says something in practice or in a game or in a huddle we all turn the face and look at UD out
1: of just just the respect of him and Mm -hmm. what he's done in his career and in the gym you've talked about you've been in the gym every day do you go in with a set plan every day this is what I want to work on these are things I want to focus on or is just kind of what comes natural to you it's kind of
3: they set up the the plan for us and I just follow Mm because our our staff is great Mm -hmm. we both had the same vision for myself so it's kind of we kind of Come together, come together on it, mm-hmm. and
1: just communicate through it. How different was it at the end of the year, well, sort of the last third of the season, where you were getting the starters' reps, you were getting more minutes, they're running more stuff for you, just in terms of your approach to the game and your confidence. My confidence was at all all time high. First of all,
3: just just going into that and just having that, and bringing that into the next season, I feel like that's a good start for me. But it just gave me more experience. It mm-hmm. Gave me more time to like make mistakes, I guess you can say, mm-hmm. and play through my mistakes. And I can't do anything but credit both for that because he kind of, kind of helped me through it. Mm-hmm. And you know, because I was second year player starting in
4: mm-hmm. the
3: last what 30, 30 games. Mm-hmm. So going through that is rough because you got to play every night. Like you, you got to show up every night. And going through that, I really had to meditate and. And really lock
1: in when you say playing through your mistakes, so there's give me a couple of mistakes that you were trying ah. to work yourself through just uh
3: oh no make a make a bad make a bad turnover like a mm. throw it somewhere or you think he's about to cut and you throw it out of bounds it's like those those timely turnovers that don't need to happen mm-hmm. that happen, and he let me play
1: through that. And when you're playing with a group more often, I would assume some of those things start to go away, right? Because, like you talk about, knowing where a guy's going to be, at a certain point, knowing where he's going to make a cut. Yeah. So when you go into camp now, you know kind of what the group's going to be right now. So as you prepare for that in the offseason, do you kind of understand what everybody else's game is on this team and how that fits with you? I know you haven't played with Jimmy yet. You haven't yeah. obviously played with Tyler yet. There's other guys that are going to come in here, but do you kind of get a feel for that?
3: Yeah, you kind of get a feel for it in training camp. Well, before training camp, honestly, end of the summer, around a week and a half before training camp, we get in here and play pickle with each other. So you got to, you you get to see what people like their sweet spots. So oh. Like Jimmy, he's more of an attacker mm-hmm. and back cuts and he You know, he loves to play his iso game, so just setting screens for him, getting them open, and hopefully when he cuts, throwing the ball every once in a while.
1: (laughs) So I guess that'll help for us. Well, as a passer, I mean, that's an element of the game that you have that a lot of bigs don't have. How do you think that can make the offense flow, and where does that come from, that instinct that you have as a passer? Because a lot of bigs don't have that.
3: You know, I'm a community service leader, so I'm (laughs) about the people. So whatever the people want, (laughs) i got to respond to it.
1: That's the explanation. Yep. Okay. Explanation. We'll uh, we'll go with that. And what what is? You can sense Heat fans kind of rallying behind what you can be, what justice can be, what Derek can be. What can you be? Ooh, sky's the limit for that. That's a, that's a, that's a scary. That's
3: a scary idea. But just working in the gym and you know just starting to see everybody morph into what they want to be, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of scary because then you got dynamic people all over the court. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what it takes to get wins. You want guys that play both
1: sides of the court. Derek says that you are a better dunker than him.
3: <laughs> next question. <laughs> like, like, he keeps like,
1: pushing that narrative. I don't understand not, it. I don't.
3: He's doing it to be funny. Okay. That's, that's the main narrative of that. Derek's doing it to be funny. Yeah. And I hope to see that in the headlines of the next paper that I read. Derek's trying to be funny because he knows he's the best dunker on that team. But
1: will you be a better three-point shooter than Dirk? Oh, I'm giving him a run for his money. Mm-hmm.
3: I will say that. We go at it when we compete. So, it, Some days he might beat me. Some days I might beat him. But, you know, give us, give us about three years. Mm-hmm. See where it goes.
1: And USA basketball, um, obviously it's a great honor. Is there somebody in particular that you're really looking forward to competing with in practices? That you want to measure yourself against i mean a lot of dudes on the usa team i've
3: been on the team with or actually played against already mm-hmm. so i'm just looking to get out there and compete as a whole Like i'm a competitor and i like to compete i like to go at it i like when i like when we bump heads in practice because it doesn't do anything but make us better and i feel like coaches like that when they. See guys bumping heads and going out in practice because it just doesn't do anything but make the team better.
1: Do you want to be a 30 to 35 minute player in this league consistently?
3: Yes. Yes, that's my goal. That's that's what I'm striving to be. That's that's what I want to be and just being a key factor.
1: Final thing, you and Jimmy, how much communication have you had so far since I know he's been gallivanting all over Europe and all that stuff, but he <sighs> wish me a happy birthday. That's about
3: all <laughs> I got for you this summer.
4: <laughs> wish
3: me a happy birthday. But it, I mean, it shows that he respects us because he didn't he didn't have to do that. He doesn't really know me like that. We we know each other through D Wade, but mm-hmm. he didn't have to reach out to me and wish me happy birthday. But that he
1: did it shows he has character. Uh, we I had Chris Bosh on a podcast for about forty minutes, and he talked. And one of the things Chris said was he said that he had a conversation with the young guys, one of which I guess was probably Josh too, but Justice and you, and maybe Derek. And said, look, D Wade's not here anymore. One of you, you guys. It's on you now. Yeah. You know, you got to take it. Yeah. How did you kind of take those words from Chris? Just seeing what Chris has done
3: in his career, you have no reason but to follow that order. Like, mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to lock in to what he says and his commands because you want to be similar to Chris. I mm-hmm. want to be an all-star. I want to be a champion. So what I have to do is what he says, mm-hmm. kind of.
1: Sounds pretty good. Yeah. Worked out all right for him. So yeah, you'll be work. you'll be grabbing a rebound and sending it out to Tyler Harrow in Game Six of an NBA Finals, just like he did to Ray Allen. And hey, that sounds. We can get another banner up there. <laughs> that sounds like a good day. Sounds like a good day. Have a great flight and have Appreciate a great time you. with the uh, with the team. Appreciate it.
5: Hey, this is Seth Levitt, who you may not know. And O.J. McDuffie. Who you definitely know. And we're getting ready to dive back into the fish tank. That's right, Juice. Season 2 of the Fish Tank Podcast right here on the 5 Reasons Sports Network kicks off on Tuesday, August 6th with our biggest catch yet. Hall of famer Jason Taylor I got the first hit in and then he proceeded
3: to, to grab my face mask and he I swear to God I've never seen anybody throw so many uppercuts in so little time and he hit me in my stomach my solar plexus, my solar plexus. and my esophagus but it was like it was like it was on a, like a boomerang like it just kept boomeranging. But the whole time he was holding my face mask and my head couldn't move. Like this was boomerang before boomerang he was even
0: out on phones.
5: So don't miss JT, OJ, DJ Preach, and myself. And all new guests. And most importantly, more of the best Miami Dolphins stories that you've never heard. Exactly, Big Seth. We've got an amazing lineup of your favorite Dolphins, from guys I played with, to guys I looked up to, and even
3: some players you'll be cheering for this season.
5: Hey, hey, don't forget those of us who work behind the scenes, Yeah, you know I
3: won't do that, man, because the fish tank takes you where no other Dolphin podcast can, with some of the funniest, wildest, and most interesting stories of what goes on with your favorite team, players, and coaches when the cameras aren't watching.
5: You can find the fish tank on... Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you do your podcast listening. So subscribe and start downloading today. Thanks for diving in. All
1: right, welcome back to the Five on the Floor Podcast here at American Airlines Arena. Um finished that conversation with Bam Out of Bio. I'm here now with Alex Toledo. You know him as at Tropical Blanket on Twitter. He's also on Miami Heat Beat. Uh was out in uh, in Las Vegas with me for Summer League. And today I just want to focus on BAM. I think you know, you've had some interactions with him at different events. Um, the thing that strikes me about Bam is just how positive he is all the time. Like, there's, you know, it, it's and again, I, I don't want to draw direct comparisons to players who used to be here. <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a real distinction from some players who used to be here uh, in terms of just sort of attitude and kind of everything seems upbeat and, and you know, there's no complaining. And, I you know, we just had a... You know, the conversation I had with him, but there was a couple of conversations he had with others before he had one with me, and all he's talking about is praising Eric Spolster. So that is a, a departure from what we're accustomed to from some other bigs here. Um, what When you look at where he went to in the last third of the season last year when he was getting those reps, what did you see as his potential?
2: So you talk about… Uh, BAM general positivity and the ambiance that he gives off and something that I thought you were going to say when you started talking about comparison was Chris Bosh he gives off a lot of those same vibes that I used to see from Chris Bosh over the TV where he's kind of a mellow guy at all times and so um, and as far as the second part of the question last year when he was a starter I think he was putting up per 36 averages of about of around 14-15 per game you know 11 rebounds 3 or 4 assists a steal and a block and a half something like that on great percentages we already know he's a switchy 1-5 through five type of defender uh, I think that that's what he can be as a full-time starter over the whole season. You know, um, I expect him to take a leap because of the confidence that, that I think he you know he's talked about, and also playing with other guys being recognized from Team USA. I think that'll help. You know, that'll probably help out to make him feel like you know this is this is going to be the, the year that he takes that step.
1: Yeah, and, and I think when you talk about the defense, I didn't even get into that with him, but I mean that's he's a different kind of defender than Hassan, right? So I mean everything with Hassan was about the block numbers and, and kind of, you know, being back in the back line of the defense, but there are always the questions, could he switch out? Would he switch out, right? Um, with Bam, there's no questions on that. And in terms of a modern big, most modern bigs are not rim protecting bigs. They're switch bigs. I mean, that's, you've got to get out on shooters and we've already seen that he can do that. So I think most of the context when we talk about Bam in terms of improvement. Ohio, ready
0: for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. the scoring
1: and the rebounding it's not it's not and even more so I think the rebounding than the scoring because the one thing that Hassan did do was collect rebounds at a really high rate Bam's rebound rate has not been there until he started to get those extra reps in games and I thought one of the things that was interesting that, that he said to me was that Spolcher let him play through mistakes And I think they're going to be able to do that again this year because the reality is they don't have a ton of bigs on this roster. I mean, as long as they don't make another trade, it's basically him, Kelly Olenek, James Johnson, if he's healthy, maybe Derek Jones Jr., some at the four. And he is a good offensive rebounder, but they don't have, uh, you know, and then Myers Leonard, obviously, that they've added, but they don't have a ton of bigs. And I think, like he says, he wants to be a 30 or 35 minute game player. That's what he's gonna be, and so I do think that some of those rebounding numbers and other things are gonna come.
2: Yeah. So the thing with Bam is he has kind of had that reputation of not being of being the inferior rebounder to Hassan, and it's fair because they've they've been a really good rebounding team with Hassan as a starting center. That was kind of what a lot of people who back up Hassan will will, will point is like they consistently good on defense, consistently good on rebounding. But like I said before, the the point the you know the per thirty six and the per one hundred possession numbers point to Bam being at least maybe not as good as Hassan uh, when it comes to rebounding and rim protection but he seems like somebody who's up and coming who's, who can already be productive on both of those aspects knowing that those are kind of the other parts of the game that, that he's working on as we we already know the other things that he brings the question to me with him as far as his potential and how much he reaches this year is how much he's willing to play through those mistakes like you said and you know do some of the face up stuff take more mm-hmm. jumpers be a little bit more confident that he can you know put some points in the paint other than just doing the, you know, the, the, the screen, the dribble handoff and roll to the rim and, you know, either make a good pass when you get the ball. Or he, he's not shooting enough, I feel like. I want to see more of what his offensive arsenal is like, especially now that Hassan's not here. Like you mentioned, too, there, there's not that many great bigs here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's where the potential lies for,
1: for Bam. Well, I think some of it will depend on who he's playing with, right? So if they go with those uh, Olympic out-of-Bio lineups, which have been very effective the past two seasons, then obviously you've got Kelly as more of a stretch player and Bam's going to have to operate a little bit more inside. Uh, But if you have, you know, a James Johnson, who's not as good a three-point shooter as Kelly, okay, and, you know, maybe, again, you get back to some of that stuff with JJ where he's handling the ball a little bit more and operating sort of towards the paint, then having Bam as a step-out big... I asked him about Chris Bosh in part because I think there are elements of Chris's game that if Bam can incorporate, then you're looking at a totally different type of player. And, and as we know, Chris became a very good mid-range shooter and then became ultimately, I'm not saying this is going to be Bam yet, but ultimately became a plus three-point shooter. I hated it when Chris started shooting threes because I thought, okay, I remember you know, CB4 up in, you know, you know, when he was up in... Uh, up in toronto and kind of was more of a post guy but chris really didn't want to be a post guy and he wanted to stretch his game out and he got perceived as soft when he did that but ultimately, it helped them win championships because he was a stretch player at that position, and you had guys like LeBron and Dwayne who could operate down in the post. So they were inverted. I feel like some of that's going to be with this team too. I mean, Jimmy likes to operate inside at times. Uh, I think that when you know when you look, obviously, if, if Dragic, you know, again, still expecting to be here, you know, a player who likes to sort of work his way into the lane. You've got Winslow, who I think can develop a little bit. Of that you know stuff maybe in the post. That was something that he worked on with Dwayne quite a bit, so maybe that's be part of his game. But I I think some of it will depend on combinations. But the thing I like about Bam's game is there's enough potential in every area, right? So I don't think there's – I don't know that there's anything that he's great at yet. But I don't see anything in his game that I say – and I say he can't be good at this, right? He's a plus passer. He's a plus defender uh, who I think is going to get better. You mentioned it as a rebounder. It looked better in the second half of last season. Um, and I think he could become a pretty good face-up shooter. So I, I just don't, I don't see anything where I say on a scale of 1 to 10, he can't be a 7. Now, is he going to be Pascal Siakam this season? I don't know. But I see the upside for him in all those areas, and I think that's why you know, they've pretty much taken him out of all the trade talks because do you want him to become that somewhere else?
2: Yeah, so I think that's very interesting to me. Everybody has been making those Siakam, the, the Pascal Siakam comparisons, and I think it's interesting because he kind of got that free reign to do more stuff with the ball. And I think it would be a natural fit for Bam to t- have more of those reps on the perimeter because he's doing so much of that uh, dribble handoff action at the top of the perimeter. And if he's not doing stuff out there, uh, he can roll to the rim like he always does. I think it's it's a natural fit for him to start transitioning into more of that big that you need to cover out there in the perimeter that's a real scoring threat. They're gonna need to replace uh, you know, some of that scoring production they lost um, as far as Jay Rich, Dwayne, uh, and Hassan. So I think it's a natural fit for sure. If I was to say to you right now, and I know how Heat Beat and Heat
1: Twitter feel about Justice Winslow, and I am a big Justice proponent, and I think what we saw last year in small sample size when he was given the reins is very promising. To me, when I look at upside, I say Bam has the higher upside of the two of them. Do you
2: agree with that? I agree in the sense of the two individual players that we're talking about. The only counter to that, I think, would just be the – you know the center and its value in the nba as a general concept as far as that it's still a valuable position i think bam is exactly the type of guy you want there especially because he doesn't ask for the ball time. he doesn't ask for too many shots if you give him he doesn't he does everything that you want and doesn't do any of the things that you don't want and also i think he's like i said he definitely has more upside than justice the only thing with justice he has a positional versatility of being able to play multiple positions and guard multiple positions so does bam but i think it's a very interesting question but I tend to agree that uh, BAM has more potential. I
1: also think for this team, if you're looking at Jimmy being here for the next four years, and this is even independent of some kind of a Bradley Beal move, which, again, you would hope would not involve someone like BAM, uh, but if you just look at Jimmy and you say, okay, there is some duplication there with Jimmy and with Justice. But there's nobody on the roster who can do the things that Bam can do. And so I, 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 I tend to get away from this idea of we talk about bigs not being as important in the NBA. I don't think that's really true. I think, I think the traditional big is not as important. The Hassan Whiteside big, not, not, not his fault, but that type of big is not as important. But the Nikola Djokic big is important in the right. NBA, right? The, for years, the Marcus big was important in the NBA uh, before he sort of went the other way, but obviously he played some role in Toronto's championship. Uh, but I do think that the, the versatile big, uh, the Siakam, if you qualify him as a big, okay, you know, that, that there are the versatile big who can, who can again, guard out on the perimeter, uh, can be a passer that can help you, you can run offense through, can make a face-up jumper, maybe stretches range out, you know, towards the three-point line, uh, finish at the rim, give you that verticality, you know, in terms of the vertical spacing that you need. He could do all those things. I don't know necessarily that. Again, you talk about a justice, and not as players, but his positions. Say, okay, is a point guard these days, uh, you know, even a good-sized point guard who doesn't have maybe natural point guard instincts, but is developing them. Is that position more important than a big, if you're playing one big, too? Like, let's say that you're not playing a lot of Kelly Olenek in these situations, where you're playing Bam with, say, a Derek Jones Jr. or somebody else smaller at the four, and he's your only big on the floor, that might be more important, you know, than having, you know, uh, you know a player at, say, Justice's position.
2: See, I agree with you, because, uh, like I said before, I tend, I would, usually, when it comes to talking about players like this, I would tend to go towards the wing slash, you know, facilitator. But... With Bam, he's kind of the counter to everything because he's the checklist. He, he you know he fills out everything in the checklist of what you want. And the other thing is he's never gonna be this extremely expensive center. At least it's, he yeah. does I don't think he projects to be that way anytime soon. Even though he is gonna be immensely valuable to the Eden has been already, I think he want you know he doesn't. There's something about him where it's like he fits pretty much any lineup he plays on because of all the things that he does. He's a natural, he's naturally a complimentary player. So he's exactly what you would want. It's like you talked about Jokic and Gasol. Jokic and Gasol, the negatives with them were that they were, you know, the slow, stiff footed Mm -hmm. bigs, and Bam is the opposite. Right. Obviously Bam doesn't have that kind of range that they do, uh, at least not yet. But that's why I think he's the counter to all that. Whereas, like, he's not going to be too expensive. He's not going to completely, you know, take up a chunk of your cap. He's not going to take too many shots. He's not going to... Uh, screw up on defense he doesn't you know he passes the ball very very well so yeah i'm i think we're all really high on what he can be
1: well i I think the comparison before was clint capella and but then we saw clint capella's stock kind of fell last year in the playoffs and that was actually a player that houston was looking to move if they could make the kind of move we thought they were going to make before they ended up making the westbrook move uh with chris paul but I, i i actually think bam has more upside than capella there are certain things again you look at a checklist and you say is this a player who's not capable of doing this? And I think there are things with Clint Capella's game that you look at and you say he's not capa- He's probably not going to be capable of doing this particular thing. I, the only place I would disagree with you here is I, I do think Bam's going to be an expensive player down the road. I, I, I think as that type of big uh, becomes more and more important in the NBA, we saw what the Capella got was a five years, 85 million, and that's a complimentary player on a team that was pretty much capped out. So I do think that he's gonna be an expensive player, but I think that the way the Heat view this is, you have Jimmy as your wing piece. You have Bam as your big piece. And now it's, okay, can you find one more perimeter piece? Is it that justice develops into that? Is it that you go get a Bradley Beal? Is it Tyler Harrow is more than maybe some of us thought? But it's that third piece that they need to add. And then what the thing the Heat have always been good at is, okay, then you find the complementary guys that are cheaper or that you develop through your G League system or whatever. But I I do think, I think they view him and the way they've kind of taken him off the market and the way they talk about him and the way that they were so eager to get Hassan out of here. I think they view him as a player who's going to be their big. This is their big. I mean, maybe he's not Shaq or Zoe or Bosh, but he's next in line, I think. And and I think they wanted Hassan to be next in line, but because the way the game changed and because of sort of his attitude about certain things, that was never going to happen.
2: Yeah, and I agree because you might you might have a point about uh, him ending up an expensive player, but I agree with you there that he's going to be their big moving forward. I was just thinking the same thing when you were talking earlier, was like you try to build up a championship contender, you usually have a, a team that has you know maybe a star wing, a star guard, you know facilitators, you know, maybe some two way playmakers, things like that. Bam is the perfect complementary center that I would also be fine paying a good amount of money to because, like I said, he can play with any lineup and. I think he fits perfectly as far as like, you know trying to build a championship team.
1: Yep. All right. Well, we apologize for some of the background noise. This is what happens when you do this in the lobby of American Airlines Arena. So uh, we'll try to clean that up for next time. But that's Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. You can also find him on the Miami Heat Beat Podcast. Um, obviously, I'll be back with Alphonse Sidney soon, ranting about a whole bunch of different things. And probably Alex is going to be out here uh, this year helping us out with some coverage. So I hope you enjoyed the BAM interview, and we'll talk to you soon.
4: This is Ricky J. Mark. In a world where sports radio continues to shift around the whims of corporate interests, we understand that the constant, unexpected changes can be exhausting from time to time. So that's why we think you should sit back, relax, and take five Uh, reasons, that is. So go ahead, grab your smartphone, and subscribe to the 5 Reasons Sports Network, available on virtually every podcast platform. We're South Florida's fastest-growing on-demand sports media network, so you decide when you want to tune in. You decide when you want to listen. Because we know your life can be hectic, go ahead, fall in love with our lineup, including Five on the Floor, Three Yards per Carry, The Fish Tank, Light-Skinned Opinions, and Cinco Razonas, whenever you want. All you need is an internet connection. So go ahead, tune in. Try us out. We're by Miami, for Miami, and spreading rapidly throughout South Florida.
0: Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime.